Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 203. Let me start off here like I always do, looking back to what we were doing a year ago today. Of course, uh, it was the beginning of the new year, and the big stories going on in Portugal at this time was, one, that Enzo Fernandez was trying to force a move to Chelsea. Rui Costa had received uh, an offer, but he did not accept the terms, and he continued to play hardball. And Enzo, of course, really wanted to make that uh, move. Uh, some of the newspapers did a poll, and they all basically said that they were very disappointed in Enzo's attitude coming back after Argentina won the World Cup and now looking to move on. And that was a very big issue a year ago today. Also sporting, remember a kid named Ten Longo? He came from Argentina, Mateo Ten Longo. Well, that's, this year... Uh, last year at this time, he was just about to join uh, Sporting. He was considered to be a great prospect. Of course, as we know, uh, six months later, he was loaned out to Copenhagen, and he has not really uh, worked out, at least not to the extent all the incredible uh, publicity he received uh, last December and all the attention. But that was uh, the news last year. At about this time, Sporting was about to receive their first reinforcement of the January window, and a young player named Mateo Tanglogo was coming. Uh, he had played, by the way, uh, well, he was from Argentina, and he had played at Rosario Central, Central before he had come here. So that was the biggest story there. And then, of course, the big story last year was an interview at this time by the Ojogo with Diego Late, who was uh, is having a fantastic time playing at Union Berlin. Of course, Union Berlin had a great season last year, went on to qualify for the Champions League this year. And that was uh, big news as well, uh, that he was finally breaking into his own. And the other big thing that went on this year at this time, uh, Cesar Pichotto, remember him? The manager, he had been managing at Passos de Freira for the first two months of the season, and then he was let go. And then two months later in January, he came back for the second time in the season to become manager. He wasn't able to uh, help them avoid the drop. But after being let go, uh, I think it was in October, he wound up coming back right around this time in early January to become the manager at Passos de Freira. So that was what was happening in Portugal a year ago, right around this time. Welcome, everybody, to episode 203 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Let me take this opportunity to wish all of you a very happy uh, new year. Uh, it's always fun when we have uh, holidays on Monday. It means a lot of us have a long, extra long weekend to enjoy ourselves. And, of course, we have plenty of football going on this week, particularly the day I dropped this episode, Friday and Saturday. A lot to talk about here. First off, uh, do players... Portuguese players get sold too early. There might be an example with that with uh, Fabio Silva, who's going to his fourth club since leaving uh, Porto. Sporting Lisbon. I know for sporting fans that upsets a lot of people, and it upset a lot of people this week. And in and, and basically what I thought was a very nice act by a fan in England, and I'll talk about that in a minute, Roca, an amazing story of Roca and Daniel Souza, their manager, they have been doing nothing but, uh, they haven't lost since he's taken over. And I'm going to predict where Daniel Sosa is going to be the next manager if a certain president is elected in April. 
I'm going to tell you what my prediction is going to be. And Santa Clara wants to change their logo because their logo, and if you're a hardcore fan, you know this already, but if you don't, their logo is very similar to one of the big three, and they're tired of people confusing them and talking about their supposed allegiance to this club. Well, this club's president has decided that he's going to be making a change, so I'll talk about that in a uh, minute. But first off, let me just say last week, of course, we had a combination of Liga and the League Cup. Uh, I'll start with the League Cup. Of course, we now have our final four all set to take place at the end of January in Leiria that will be this year's host. It all starts on Tuesday, January the 23rd, the first semifinal of the Final Four. Braga will be playing Sporting, a fantastic match. And then on Wednesday, January the 24th, uh, excuse me, Braga Sporting's the 23rd. Benfica Estoril is playing on that Wednesday the 24th. Benfica playing. Uh, they've won this championship, this title more than any other league in Portugal. They're going to try to get back to the final. But Estoril Praia having a great season. Well, at least ever since Vasco Siabra took over a few months ago. And Estoril making their first ever appearance in the final four of the Tas of the Liga. And again, plenty of time to talk about that when we get to later this month. But circle your calendars, January the 23rd and the 24th. Uh, while we have Liga football this weekend and next weekend, don't forget, uh, coming up on January the 9th, 10th, and 11th, we will have the round of 16 of the Portuguese Cup, the Taça do Portugal. Uh, just a quick uh, thing. So Sporting will be playing on Tuesday, January the 9th at home against Tundela, who they just played in the League Cup and beat quite handily up in the Tundela. And this is the one of the most interesting matches about the uh, round of 16 that will also be played on January the 9th. And this is Estoril Praia taking on Porto. Estoril has already been Porto twice this season. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. Benfica is playing Braga and probably the best match of the round of 16. And that will be taking place on Wednesday, January the 10th. And then uh, we'll have two more matches on uh, Thursday, January the 11th. Santa Clara Nacional two of the clubs battling in the, uh, for promotion in the second division will be playing each other. So uh, we've got Liga football this weekend. We've got uh, match day 15 finishes. we got match day 16 next weekend. Then midweek, we have Taça de Portugal. And then, of course, the following weekend after that, we'll have match day uh, 16. And then pretty soon later this month, uh, we will have, uh, of course, the League Cup. And just looking ahead... Uh, two of the matches are three matches have been played already. Vitoria Guimarães beat Rio Ave last week 1 0. Vizela played Moreirense to a 0 0 draw. That's a good result for Vizela considering Moreirense hasn't won in something like their last, hasn't lost, excuse me, in their last 10 or 11 matches. And then on Thursday of this upcoming weekend, Estrela Madura lost to Aroca, which I'll talk about in the Liga section pretty soon. Aroca really, really coming on. Uh, Friday, the day I dropped this episode, Benfica, Familia Kong, Porto Chaves will get it going on Friday, playing these Friday night games. And then Saturday, the 30th, we'll have four matches. Uh, the, two of the interesting ones are Casapia at home to Braga, and Sporting will be making a trip down to Portimonense. Uh, to end match day 15 down in the Algarve. Also on Saturday, Astro Praia will be playing Feirens and Gil Vicente will be playing Boa Vista, which I talked about extensively in my last episode about some of their financial problems. And you can check that out on episode two 
Um, looking at the matches this weekend, I mean, I think, obviously, in my opinion, the best match of the ones to be played this weekend is Benfica Fama. I think that's a very good match. Familia Kong having a great season in seventh place. Benfica, despite all their disappointments, are only in second place, one point behind Sporting. And I would say of the remaining matches to be played in match day 15, that that is probably your best matches uh, coming up uh, this uh, weekend. Uh, second division report, uh, we had three matches that were played uh, last weekend. We saw Turiens, my favorite team in the second division, beat last place Vila Verdens 3-1. We saw Bilinenses get an important point at home, uh, drawing with uh, Santa Clara, the second division leader, 0-0. And then we saw another uh, scoreless draw, 0-0, between Maritimo and Penafial. Uh, this weekend, everything is played on Saturday, and we do have one match on Sunday, <clears throat> New Year's Eve. Uh, FC Porto B, Nacional, that's probably, in my opinion, the best match of this weekend, considering Nacional is in third place and FC Porto B is in seventh. Uh, but that's probably your best match of the five matches being played on Saturday. And then you do have one match on New Year's Eve Sunday, and that's Mafra taking on AVS. I'll tell you. I've talked about this in past episodes. I wish Portugal would play matches on uh, uh, December the 31st. I wish Portugal would play matches closer or as many matches as possible closer to the holidays. Uh, we saw last week Porto draw over 30,000. They actually was initially announced by the press. It was sold out. It turned out to only be 30. But still, we saw a League Cup match. Last weekend, between two teams that were already eliminated, Porto and Les Chouins, and it drew over 30,000 spectators on a holiday weekend. And it shows you that holidays do bring fans to the stadium. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity for clubs to make a lot of money. And uh, But New Year's Eve, which is being played at 11 a.m. on Sunday, there's only one match, and that's Mafra AVS. Uh, let me know your thoughts about it. Should Portuguese clubs play on Boxing Day? Should Portuguese clubs be playing on New Year's Eve? Should the festivities be combined with football, soccer, and get more people to the stadium? And, or should it be separate because people would rather just celebrate and not have to worry about their team? Uh, you let me know your uh, thoughts on that. Uh, second division, right now Santa Clara in first place with 33 points. AVS in second with 31, so they are the top two right now. If the season were to end, they would get promoted. Nacional in third place with 29, Maritimo in fourth with 26. So three of the four teams at the top are from either the Azores or Madeira. And fifth place team, my team's still hanging on. Of course, they made uh, some really big changes with their manager about two weeks ago. Turiens with 24 points in fifth place, and they are very much, well, they're seven points behind second place, but they're only five points behind third place, which goes into the playoffs. But again, we still have a lot of match days left, and Turiens is still keeping up the hope of possibly staying alive and going and uh, moving uh, forward. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. Um, let me go in now and talk about my Liga report, where I just go around, not necessarily talking about the big three, but really everybody else. Uh, first off, Santa Clara logo, if you've ever taken a look at it, it does bear somewhat of a striking resemblance to Benfica, which has always been acknowledged. Over the years, this has been a source of a lot of jokes by people that don't like Benfica. Uh, the fact that a lot of people have said over the years, I've heard this for, man, for as long as the 25 years, 25 plus years, 
that I've been doing PortugueseSoccer.com, people joking around about how they're their satellite club and will always do them favors. Well, Santa Clara's president came out and he uh, did a uh, blue press event and he said that they are thinking about changing the logo. One, because it's creating too much confusion that it bears a resemblance to Benfica's logo. And two, they're Santa Clara. They represent the Azores, which is a fantastic set of islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's as close as you get to North America. And they are basically deciding to do something about it. There are some fans that don't want to change it. They like keeping the history. But there is talk that Santa Clara will probably be changing their logo and one that's more befitting of their club colors and, of course, the region of the Azores. Uh, very beautiful, beautiful area. If you ever wanted to go to Europe, but it was too far for you to go to Europe, take, especially when you're in the east coast of the United States, I know Boston has a flight, I think, almost every day, I think. I think there's even a flight that leaves JFK from New York like three times a week that goes to the Azores. That would be a great place for a weekend trip, especially if you get a chance to maybe go catch Santa Clara play, or maybe they come back to the first division, and then you'll be able to see first division football without having to do a six, seven-hour flight uh, to Europe. Uh, three, three, three and a half is, I believe, the, the, as long as the trip takes to go to the Azores. But that was big news. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to Aroca. Uh, former Andres Villas-Boas assistant, uh, Daniel Souza, of course, was hired at Aroca. And since then, in the five matches since he's taken over, four wins, one draw. One of those uh, results was they finished in a draw, but they won in penalty kicks for, I think it was the Taça de Portugal. But Daniel Souza is pressing all the right buttons at Aroca. Aroca, you know the story. Great year last year, finishing in like fifth place. They go to qualifying for the Europa Conference League when their first leg at home, 2-1, to one, go to Norway, suffer an ugly loss, are eliminated, and then were, to be quite frank, pretty dreadful, pretty awful during the league season, even though they, I thought, had a very good manager that I respect, Daniel Ramos. And as a result, uh, they brought in Daniel Souza, who, by the way, did a great job last year, kind of saved them from relegation. Gilles Vicente, I think there was even a point in time last year where Souza and Gilles Vicente didn't lose at home for like two and a half, three months, which for a club in Portugal is pretty impressive. I think they even drew at home with one of the big three, and they got a good result at Braga. But I want you to listen to this prediction I'm going to make. Don't laugh, because after all, it's just a prediction. But here is a prediction, in my opinion, of something to look out for. He's a former Andres Villas-Boas assistant. Do you, do you kind of figure out where the direction I'm going with this? You got these elections coming up in April. If Andres Villas-Boas wins, and let's say Conceição decides to move on to another club in Europe, maybe he decides not to stay, I and mean, we don't know the relationship, but I'm just saying hypothetically. That's all this is, so relax for those Porto fans who don't like uh, things change. Will Daniel Souza, if he continues to do the great work he's doing with Aroca, and Portugal, as much as we love our young players showing talent, will take a chance. You know, why not take a chance on a guy like Daniel Souza if you're on the Village Boas, and he's shown the great track record he's had at Gil Vicente and so far in Aroca. Keep an eye on it. This is the first place you're going to hear about it. This is being recorded here at the end of December. Very curious to see if a manager like Daniel Souza, if he continues, they're up to ninth place. They were in relegation, Aroca. He's got them up to ninth place, although they're in a tie with 16 points with three other teams, but he's doing a great job. You heard it here first before other people want to take credit. Do not be surprised if Daniel Souza gets the opportunity next year. And you're probably saying, no, come on. When Andres Villas-Boas was hired at Porto, by the way, ironically, by Pinto de Costa, a lot of people... 
thought that he was a little bit too young. They, you know, they knew he did a great job at Academica, but that's the way it works in Portugal. You take your chances with the young ones. You're going to take your chances getting the next great manager. Look what Sporting and Braga did and how that worked out with Ruben Amarim. Uh, so anyway, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, Boa Vista, back in the news. Uh, Benfica still wants one of their players, Pedro Mayeru. And what's interesting about this news is that Mais Football says that Benfica only offered $4 million. And, and, and this is something I do not understand about the bigger Portuguese clubs to the smaller Portuguese clubs. I already told you about Genicatamu and the situation with Amora and how I thought they, they should have held out for more money. And I'm not the only one. I saw a lot of comments about it on social media. But Benfica wants to pay $4 million for Pedro Maedo, but they don't want to make their first installment payment until next August. How do you tell a club when you know they're in financial issues, we'll pay the first installment, I think it's like $1 million a year, next August. I'm not going to say anything more. I just don't understand sometimes the logic um, what does that say about Benfica that they can't spend three or four million to buy a player in January? Does it mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I, I just don't understand that thing at all. Uh, Vitoria Guimarães in the news, their goalkeeper, Varela, uh, he basically declined to get called up to Cape Verde. I mean, look, the African Cup of Nations is taking place, a major tournament, and basically, um, it's a big tournament. He's got a chance to play and probably be a starter. But he has respectfully declined the invitation to play for Cape Verde in this tournament because he wants to be with Vitoria Guimarães during the month of January. Look, Guimarães is having a very good season in fifth place. Um, you know, again, I've talked about it many times. They are by far fourth Portugal's fourth biggest club in size and support. Obviously not in success. That is Braga and fourth best club in Portugal. But Guimarães, if they ever get it going can really surprise a lot of people with their support base. And they are sitting in fifth place, and he has basically said respectfully to Cape Verde, I want to stay around. We're in a very important part of the season, and I just think this is more important for me to do this for my club. And as a result, uh, I think it's a smart move by Varela. I think this will only enhance his value. But most importantly, I think Vitoria Guimarães fans are going to really appreciate that he's not leaving in such an important time in January. Because we know some players are going to be leaving in Portugal. Diamant of, of uh, Sporting is going to be uh, going to the African Nations Cup with his country. We know, of course, Tereme is going to be leaving for a tournament. So, you know, it's kind of normal. I mean, it's a major international tournament. Um, but basically, this is very impressive by Varela that he basically respectfully declined and said that he wouldn't uh, be uh, going because he wants to worry about Guimarães first. Uh, other news this week, uh, Fernando Gomes, the president of the Portuguese Football Federation, uh, the man who oversees the federation, the man who hires the managers, the man who signs everything. Uh, and by the way, you got to admit he's been doing a pretty, pretty good job. Uh, he basically was announced as the Sportsman of the Year by the uh, Portuguese uh, newspaper O Jogo, so I thought that was a well-deserved award. A lot of people don't know this, but Fernando Gomes' background is actually in basketball. He was actually, if I recall, a basketball player for Football Club do Porto, uh, but obviously he's got business acumen, and he's also a football guy, and obviously being president, he has done pretty, pretty well uh, for himself, so I thought that was uh, pretty, pretty uh, interesting in uh, my opinion. Um, I want to just do, uh, before I get to my international report and talk about, in my opinion, are Portuguese players sold too early? Uh, before I get there, I just want to do women's uh, football report. Again, no football this weekend for the women. They continue to be on break. They will resume action not this weekend. 
the following weekend again I think for me, I know they were on break for the international. I think they came back and they played one match day and now they're off. And again, perhaps there's a reason to it. But for me, women's football, a great opportunity if they had played on uh, Sunday to perhaps get more fans than they usually would, put some promotion behind it, get some of the first division clubs to support you. Again, just my opinion. And by the way, it's all it is. It's just my opinion. But I think uh, women's football could have had a great opportunity this weekend. But anyway, they do not resume until the following week, uh, January the 6th. Benfica in first place with 24 points. Sporting in second with 22. Braga in third with 19. And that is the top three of the 12-club first division of women's football uh, in uh, Portugal. Uh, before I move on, let me just say, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you. For all those that continue to listen to the podcast, the numbers are awesome. Uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, as I always say, I've been doing this for over 25 years, PortugueseSoccer.com. I've seen it across different generations. I've been to games. I know a lot of players. been fortunate to meet a lot of people. And I come on here every week to give you my opinion. And by the way, that's all it is, is an opinion on what's going on in the Liga Second Division, women's football, player abroad, which I'm going to do in a minute. And again... Give it a follow on Spotify, um, you know, iTunes, Google Podcast, Podcast Static. I also put the audio up on YouTube. And, of course, you've also got PortugueseSoccer.com, the website where you can also listen to the embed from Spotify on the uh, website, as well as if you miss any of the episodes, they're all on PortugueseSoccer.com. And, again, whether you listen to this podcast for 10 minutes or the whole 40, 45 minutes, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you and happy holidays as well to all of you. Happy New Year coming up uh, this weekend. But let me move on to part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. And I want to talk about a topic. You know, last week I talked about the financial situation in Portugal with Boa Vista and how the big clubs and the small clubs, there's just a humongous difference. And this week I want to talk about basically do Portuguese players, the young ones, get sold too early? Um, and the reason why I said that is I was really surprised um, to see the news that Fabio Silva uh, basically is being loaned to Glasgow Rangers. Now, a big club in Scotland, a humongous fan base in Scotland. Um, I would say that of all the clubs that he's been to since he's left, in my opinion, uh, Porto, that's presence, probably the biggest club he's going to play at because it is such a massive fan base in Scotland. Um, I mean, obviously, Celtic uh, Rangers matches are a big deal. And uh, by the way, get a lot of attention in Europe, sometimes, unfortunately, more than I think our, one of our classicos do. But the old firm derby is a big, big deal in Scotland. Anyway, he is going to be loaned out. Now, as we know, I think he won a, a, um, a UEFA Youth League with Porto, under-19 star, starts playing with Porto, shows signs of brilliance. I think he even scored in a League Cup match. And then he was sold to Wolves. Wolves, of course, as we all know, back in 2020, had still had a lot of Portuguese players at that time. Still do, but back then even more. And this was another kid brought into the fold with all the Portuguese players that were there. Of course, uh, Patricio at the time, if I remember, Juan Moutinho, um, Mateus Nunes, I believe. I mean, there was a lot of Portuguese players, as we know, that were playing for Wolves. And it was thought that if he would go to Wolves, that he would basically be in an environment that would help him. I wonder if Nunu was his manager at the time. I can't remember. I apologize. It was 2020, folks. It's been a long time. I try to forget that year, by the way, in case you don't know why with the whole COVID year and everything. Um, 
but he was supposed to be a big one. And But people were surprised that he was sold as quickly as he was. But it was a great deal for Wolves. It was a great deal for Porto. A lot of credit to the agents because that's their job to facilitate these deals. And if you're Fabio Silva and a chance to go play in the Premier League, it seemed like a dream move for everybody. And unfortunately, since then, he's gone on loan to Belgium with Anderlecht, one of their biggest clubs in Belgium. He went on loan to one of the biggest clubs in Holland, in PSV. And now he's going to Rangers. And, uh, you know, Fabio Silva, let me look up how old he is right now. Look, he's still very young. There's still a lot of potential for him. Uh, he's 21 years old. Um, but <coughs> there has to come a point in time when you have to kind of show the money that was invested in you. And I've seen Porto fans complain that he should have never have been sold, that had he stayed, he would have worked out very well. Like Andre Silva, a lot of people felt Andre Silva was sold too soon to AC Milan. And Porto could have used a great striker like him because he was doing pretty well with Porto before he was sold. And a lot of people felt that this kid, Fabio Silva, who, by the way, is Porto 100% through and through. I remember his father as a professional player. But it hasn't quite worked out, and then it begs the question. Sergio Conceição said this after Luis Diaz was sold, and a lot of managers say this, that sometimes the financial considerations take on more importance than the sporting, in-the-pitch considerations of your results in your squad. And... I hope this kid goes to Rangers, and when he goes, I hope he's successful. I hope he finally finds that ability that everybody thought they saw in him, and that he finds it playing in a, a very nice league like Scotland, which, again, playing for a big club like Glasgow, I'm not sure if they're alive in uh, Europe, um, would be a very good thing uh, for him. So, is he sold too soon? A lot of people would say probably yes, that he was sold too soon, just like an, you know, an Andre Silva. Uh, João Felix. A lot of people felt that João Felix was sold a little bit too soon. Uh, you know, Speaking of João Felix, uh, Bernardo Silva, before I get going with uh, my player abroad section, you know, he was named the sports figure of the year by Ebola. And uh, he spoke about a lot of things, Bernardo Silva. But he spoke about João Felix's move from Benfica to Atletico. And he said that, yeah, there was a lot of money involved and it was a good deal for everybody, although a really good deal for Benfica. Um, but he felt that João Felix's move to Atletico wasn't a good fit. And when I first heard this, my thought was is, did Benfica know that? Or does it matter to them? Should João Felix have known that? That perhaps as young as he was, he needed to be a little bit smarter in accepting that deal and maybe waiting for a club that was a better fit for him. Because they spent all this money on him. It hasn't quite worked out with Atletico. He does seem to be showing good signs with Barcelona. But we still have to see what happens in the spring and will Barcelona... Uh, you know, and, and by the way, is Barcelona going to be able to afford João Felix? You know, if they decide to do it, I mean, I, I don't think so. It just, I mean... If you're Atletico, you want to try to recoup as much as that 120 plus million that you spent. But was Juan Felix a player that was sold too soon? Even though I understand that it's hard to turn down 120 million. Again, 
Great job by the agents, great job by Benfica, and great job by Joan Felix putting himself in that position to be sold like that. But then you have to ask the question afterwards is, was it the right decision to sell a young Portuguese player like that, maybe not going to the best situation? And I think that's the theme of Fabio Silva. I think that's what's always hurt João Felix. And unfortunately, I never see it changing because we've seen it with our clubs. Selling players is a very big part of it. I don't think anything like this is going to change anytime soon. And as a result, selling players like this is just too important. But it's a question, and I ask you. Feel free to uh, you know hit me up uh, in the next podcast. And let me know your thoughts. Should Portuguese clubs do a better job of keeping their players a year or two longer, um, even if the money is great, so that they could then eventually make even more money? I mean, how many times have we seen clubs not sell their best players right away and then get a big deal down the road uh, when another club comes along and pays even more money than they would have had they accepted the first offer. Why don't they do that with young Portuguese players? Should Fabio Silva have been protected and stayed? Let me know uh, your opinion. Uh, let me go on now talking about player abroad report. Again, Bernardo Silva was named the Albola Figure of the Year, Player of the Year. He also got a tremendous compliment from his teammate, uh, João Cancelo, who said on a podcast this week that he thinks that right now João Cancelo says that Bernardo Silva right now is the best Portuguese player that's going right now. And I think we'd have to agree. He scored a great goal uh, the other night uh, for City. Obviously, of course, City won uh, the, um, the, the was it the World Club Cup, whatever they call it. No, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention to it. Uh, he obviously was, uh, you know, played a factor in that. Uh, good news for Diego Jota, scored a goal. Within minutes of coming on as a sub, he's had some injury issues, so it was very good to see him score this week. Moving on, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, continues to be brilliant in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I had talked last week that I think when you think about his decision to go to Saudi Arabia, this, you know, obviously we know he's making a lot of money, but he's happy. He's done very well, and as I dropped this episode, he is currently the top goal scorer in 2023, and I don't believe anyone could catch up to him. But he's got 53 goals. Harry Kane has 52. I'm not sure if he still plays this weekend. Uh, Mbappe, 52. And uh, Holland, 50. And uh, that is... Uh, so Cristiano has done a great job. And looks like he'll finish a top scorer. Yet another accomplishment in his uh, great, great uh, career. Uh, Fulham, Marco Silva. I spoke a, a few episodes ago about... That I think Fulham on a uh, four or five match streak was scoring something like an incredible amount of goals. Well, lately it has fallen apart for Marco Silva. He has now lost three in a row in the Premier League. So um, not looking very good for Marco Silva. Who is looking very good for managers is Luis Castro. Uh, when we talk about total managerial wins in the calendar year of 2023, uh, basically uh, Luis Castro has 51 total wins this year next best is Guardiola with 45 Jorge Jesus also has 45 Ancelotti 43 and Alba Ferreira another Portuguese with 41 and those are some of the uh, managers and players abroad that are doing very uh, very well and I think that's uh, something that's uh, worth uh, mentioning um let me move on to my Big Four report before I get going talking about what I always do to end it and then as well as, of course, the uh, mailbag. Um, let me talk about, first off, about uh, sporting. So this week, a um, bit of an interesting situation this week with sporting. So a fan received 
a uh, jersey from uh, Jokeres, the great Swedish striker uh, for sporting. And I think he put on his, uh, I still call it Twitter, I know it's X now, uh, that he had received this and he put it up on his social media. And he called sporting, sporting Lisbon. And the Portuguese press picked up on it, not because of what he said, but because of the fact that he had gotten, because uh, I think last year's picture profile is him with Victor with the jersey, and now he's got one of him from uh, Sporting. And this was a kid, of course, getting a uh, Christmas gift. But a lot of Sporting fans gave this kid, at least from what I saw, um, a little bit of a hard time. And um, Sporting Lisbon, the name, has been an issue for a very long time. I think the club a few years ago started a Twitter account called Not Sporting Lisbon, and every time on Twitter they would find someone saying Sporting Lisbon, this account would reply to that account and, and say, no, it is not Sporting Lisbon, it's Sporting Club de Portugal, Sporting CP. And um, this issue with uh, Sporting, because it also happens too whenever Sporting plays an English club, the highlights, uh, you know, the headlines, when or with, especially with the fan uh, media, is, you know, blank, 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 we'll be playing Sporting Lisbon. And obviously it's Sporting Club de Portugal. But this has always been an issue for Sporting as a club. I remember a few years ago, the New York Times did a story about sporting, about the Academy and Cristiano Ronaldo. And they used, if I remember correctly, Sporting Lisbon too, and it wasn't even corrected. So the club's got to be a little bit stronger in this, especially when they're playing an English team. But this kid, um, he apologized a lot on social media for, for the mistake. I think somebody offered to, uh, they wanted to use the photo of him in their media, and he wrote... Absolutely, you can use it. And please tell the sporting fans on your post that I'm sorry that I used the word sporting Lisbon. Um, great kid, a great fan, very respectful. But there were some sporting fans that were not uh, very happy about it. But this issue of identity, of sporting, and sporting Lisbon is continuing to be something that just is very hard with the English audience uh, to uh, change. Um, also with uh, Sporting, of course, we saw the big interview this week with uh, Victor Jokeres. Uh, apparently, and by the way, let me just say this. He's a great talent. He's going to make Sporting a lot of money. He's going to go play for a big club, perhaps as soon as next summer. But whenever they do these interviews during Christmas and New Year's when, you know, even though we do have some football, they, it, it's mostly saved for like New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. Um they ask players like, would you like to leave now to go to a big club in January? What do you expect the player to say? Of course the player is going to say, no, I want to leave in June because I want to be here for this club and we want to win a title. And then, of course, the player is also going to say nice things like he wants to play with the club in the Champions League and all that. But my whole point is sometimes when I see these interviews, it's amazing how people take them seriously, especially I saw from the Swedish press because – a lot of times when you're asked, well, would you like to go to a big club in January? Of course, we all know what the player is going to say. But he said the right things in many other ways. He said that sporting is better with two strikers. He's happy in Lisbon. He loves playing for sporting. And I hope this kid does a great thing in the Europa League. And hopefully one of our Portuguese clubs, maybe sporting, can make a run in the Europa League. But with this player, sporting has a chance to win the, the title again. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he uh, can do. Uh, I told you already, uh, the great young defender, another one attracting a lot of interest in Europe, Diamond, is got called to buy every coast of sporting. I think he's leaving after Portimonense, from what I recall. 
but Sporting is going to be losing him, and uh, we'll see what the, how they make without him in the month of, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he probably will be back in time for the League Cup, the Tasa de Liga, but that was a bit of a story. Uh, Porto, uh, of course, you know about the Carmel situation. He looks like he's been relegated uh, to the B team, and Porto apparently is looking for another center back. No surprise in the uh, January window, really no surprise at all. Uh, Pinto de Costa, despite whatever you think of him, to still be president 40-plus years later, age 86. Um, he basically celebrated his birthday this weekend. He's got an interesting thing happening in that Prime Video just did a big documentary on his life as a president and off the pitch, his private life. And uh, I'm very curious to see the editorial of this uh, video because depending on you talk to, you're going to get two different opinions about Pinto de Costa. And if you do a video where you don't talk about both sides, then if it's a negative video, then people are going to say it was anti-Porto. If it's a video that doesn't talk about any of the negative and it's all positive, then people are going to say that a lot of the things that people accuse Pinto of should have been brought up if you really want to understand the history. So. Look, it's a big deal for someone in Portugal, in football, uh, especially a president, not a player, to be getting a documentary, and hopefully it's all going to be available in English so a lot of us can watch it. But um, Pinto da Costa made, made news with this video. And, you know, there's a lot of people that wonder about the timing of this video with the elections coming up in April. Um, you know, the conspiracy theories feel there might be something to it. I don't think so. I think this was already set up, if I remember, I first heard about it, I think, during the summer. But nevertheless, it tends to attract attention, which Pinto de Costa has always done. And I'll be very curious. I think anybody, regardless if you're a fan, I think you would be very curious. Because I'm very curious to see what they say about Portuguese football also in this video. So that I don't know when that's going to debut. I'm sure we'll, Porto will certainly let everybody know. But that's also a, a pretty big uh, story. Um, my Oh, I also talked about last week that Le Choin's match was sold out. Uh, I saw a, uh, I think it was a post on Zero Zero. It turned out to only be 30, but still, 30,000 to see a meaningless Tasa de Liga match where both teams had already been eliminated on a Saturday night only proves my point that you need to have more holiday uh, football. And Tareme continues to get interest from Inter Milan. I went to an Italian restaurant this week. I have some uh, great friends of mine visiting from Lisbon. I took them to a, um, an Italian restaurant in my neighborhood. I knew the owner was a hardcore Serie A fan, and I knew he was Inter. And when I saw him, I said, hey, my friend, what do you think of Tereme? And he was like, oh, we got to have Tereme. That guy is a fantastic player, you know, all that. And, you know, so a lot of Inter fans are, are, are going to be very excited. Will Inter make the move and will Porto accept for Tereme in January? Remember, if Evan Nielsen, I said this back in the summer. There ain't nothing new about this. I said, if Evan Nielsen starts to score... That's why Tereme, I don't think, was sold in the first place in the summer because there wasn't that potential replacement or at least feeling comfortable who the next striker will be. And then what happens with, uh, you know, Leva Nielsen, he's been on fire. It makes it easier to sell Tereme, in my opinion. Uh, Befica, uh, in news this week, Di Maria and Otamendi were given more time to stay in Argentina. Of course, Otamendi is suspended for the match this weekend. But they gave Di Maria. Basically what that is is, hey, I'm a big player. And by the way, I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but I'm Angel Di Maria. I'm a big player. And probably, you know, when you want to come to a club, you know, he probably says, hey, and by the way, I'm going to want to take a little vacation time during Christmas. And he lets the club know in advance. I think that's what this is, in my opinion, for whatever it's worth. 
But he, anyway, has been given permission. And um, I suppose if you're going to take time off, this would be the time because once things get going in the middle of January, it would be hard to uh, miss out. Uh, Braga, big news this week with Braga, besides the fact that they are in competing on many fronts. Rodrigo Gomes, who's having a very good time playing at Estoril Praia. Uh, apparently, President Salvador has said that he thinks he might uh, name back coming back to Braga because there might be some chances to sell him in the January window. Moving on here, let me always, uh, first off, we'll talk about my favorite club and then we'll end it with uh, Mailbag. Um, Atletico dos Arcos, my club in the fifth tier of Portuguese football. Another great win last week, beating uh, a team called Deu Crist. 1-0 at home, I thought they would have a bigger win, but hey, a win is a win, right? Three points. We continue to maintain our five-point lead in first place. Again, only one team in this group table of 16 teams gets promoted to the fourth tier only the top two will earn a spot to the Tasa de Portugal next year we want to finish in first we want to get promoted to the fourth tier and last week we continue to do that so we continue to maintain a five-point lead over second place Moonsong third place is Cardinal Lens with 29 points but what's important here is that Atletico dos Arcos has an eight-point lead on the third place team and they also have uh, a 10-point lead on the fourth-place team, Valenciano. And by the way, I'm not even going to say Punta Barca because we lead them by 11 points. And as far as I'm concerned for that fake club, there's no need to mention them anymore because they are way, way behind like you're supposed to be, like the river that you're famous for. Down the river you go, it's over for you, my friend. But Atletico dos Arcos, 12 wins, one draw, only one loss, plus 24 goal differential. This weekend, all the matches are on Saturday. No surprise, nothing on Sunday. Uh, although, why wouldn't you want to play on Sunday on New Year's Eve if you played early? I don't know. Anyway, Atletico dos Arcos will be making the trip to play 10th place SC Corinthians. Not an easy match. Corinthians has got a pretty decent history in the fifth tier. And second place Munsong will also be on the road, but they'll have it a bit easier in terms of the table. They'll be playing the 13th place team, ADC Correia. So, Atletico dos Arcos, um, you know, important that we go into the new year keeping this five-point lead maybe Haas hopefully we can build on it this weekend if Munson could slip up but my club in the fifth tier of Portuguese football so far so good as we reach sort of the midway point of the season with a five-point lead I'm not comfortable with a five-point lead we had a five-point lead last year and we still blew it I really want to build on it I just I feel like we need to be in double digits to really be, feel comfortable, especially in case we lose any players uh, next month uh, that you know move on to a club in the third or fourth tier. We got to be careful. We need to build that league up, that lead up so we don't have the same mistakes that we did um, last uh, season. Let me wrap up this final episode, uh, episode 203, excuse me, wrap up, uh, talking about uh, mailbag. And um, I want to start off first with uh, Mike from YouTube. Uh, another great episode. That's the reality. And by the way, let me just start off saying he's basically commenting on what I said about Boa Vista's last week financial situation. Uh, another great episode. That's the reality in Portuguese football outside the big three. Money issues. This isn't even the first time Boa Vista has been like this. It's ongoing with the club. It's sad. You could consider them the fourth biggest club in Portugal, depending on who you talk to. They certainly have a huge fan base. Sadly, don't see it in the stadium anymore. Hopefully, Balvista sign solve their issues. Like you said, ticket prices are so low and attendance is so low, they struggle. This is why when the big clubs visit, the smaller clubs love it. Um, then he goes on talking about my um, 
you know, my my, my Atlético dos Arcos and everything. Uh, <coughs> happy for Atlético dos Arcos, but my team is Desportivo Munson. Oh, boy. Uh, my dad's family is from Arcos, but the majority are from close to Monson. Uh, before I finish your comment, let me just say this, Jason. Your fa dad's family is from Arcos, and the rest of your family is from close to Monson. That means they're not from Monson. That means they are close to Monson. It sounds to me like you are an Atlético dos Arcos guy, and I think you need to reconsider, my friend. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, anyone who says Sporting versus Porto is not a classic who has no idea about the history of Portuguese football, Sporting is a huge club with a huge following, even have the best ultras. I'm a Benfica supporter. Anytime the big three play each other, it's a classic in Mike's opinion. Thank you so much. Uh, Jose from Madrid, my first uh, mailbag uh, from Madrid. Uh, really sad to hear about what's going on with Boavista. I remember Boavista back in the early 2000s. They were very respectful in Europe and, of course, made it one year to the final four of the then UEFA Cup. My biggest question, though, that has to be asked about the Liga is how does a club in the first division of Portuguese football? have these type of problems? Should this not have been caught before the season? I think that's the question uh, that uh, nobody is asking. That's a good point. Um, they do do like financial controls during the summer and then if clubs don't meet it, they don't let them play or get their license. This one, I kind of mentioned this as well, I think a few episodes where it sounds like here they might have, um, someone somewhere missed this because if it's these big problems, Somewhere along the way, uh, this was missed. Um, next up is Delphine from New Jersey. I love New Jersey. I went to go see the Devils game the other night against Columbus. What a game. Devils won 4-3. Um, he basically writes, uh, I'm also very sad to see about Boa Vista. I love their black and white uniforms. My dad, first ever match that he took me was to, was to Estadio de Bessa, and I always loved the great Boa Vista teams. But unfortunately, uh, the last 20 years have been just different. I'm very sad about Boa Vista. I hope that they can bounce back. But it sounds like if they're going two or three months without paying players, like this is very, very serious. Yes, Delphine, very, very serious. And we have to, you know, in fact, see what's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of worry in this situation. I agree. There's a lot, a lot of worry about what's uh, what's going on with Boavista. Anyway, folks. And by the way, let me just say, if you want to send me a comment, you want to send me a question, or you want to criticize something I said, or you know, agree or don't disagree, you know, tell me about what do you think about how does Sporting solve Sporting Lisbon? Do Portuguese clubs sell their players um, too soon? Uh, PeaceSoccerCOM at Gmail. I got to do a better job of mentioning that at the beginning of the broadcast. PeaceSoccerCOM at Gmail.com. You can also find the information to contact uh, me on PortugueseSoccer.com. And listen, uh, I'm dropping this two days before New Year's Eve. Seriously, please have a great time this weekend. Have a safe time with your families. Relax, especially if we all got to go back to work on January the 2nd. I know I'm going to be trying to take it easy. And please enjoy yourselves. And as always, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. And I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.